0: the book of Matthew chapter number 24 and verse number 20. If you found it, say amen. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter. Pray ye that your flight be not in the the winter I want to preach to you for a little while this morning on the subject, the danger of winter travel the danger of winter travel, God I pray that you would anoint me to preach Lord I feel like you've spoken to me for this service God I don't need a sermon They don't need a sermon. What we need is a word from you. and God, we need it to be anointed by the Holy Ghost. For it's the anointing that destroys the yoke. God, I pray that you would send a yoke-destroying anointing into this place today. God, that you would have your way, that when we leave here in just a little while, that we know that we've been visited by you. And that we've heard your word. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would just do it by the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise as you're being seated. This statement by Jesus, pray ye that your flight be not in the winter. Is a somewhat enigmatic statement that appears twice in the Bible. It appears here in Matthew 24 and also in Mark 13 and 18. The discourse of our text begins with three simple questions. We find them in Matthew 24 and 3. The Bible says that as he, meaning Jesus, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be? That's question number one. Question two and what shall be the sign of thy coming? And the third question, and of the end of the world. Tell us what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. And Jesus, in response to their question, begins to share some of the signs of the end times with the disciples. He tells them there will be wars and rumors of wars. He told them that nation would rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. He continued to say that there would be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. It seems as if that would be as bad as it could get. Earthquakes and famines and pestilence and wars and rumors of wars and nations and kingdoms against each other. It would seem as if it could get no worse than that. But then Jesus adds the chilling phrase, All these are the beginning of sorrows. The global upheaval that Jesus described would seem to be as bad as it could get. But then Jesus said, that's just the beginning. Wars and nations in battle. People starving from worldwide famine. Pestilence sent to destroy. Earthquakes, all things that affect the body and the flesh. But Jesus said, that's just the beginning. Because the flesh should not be our primary concern. That's only the beginning. Can I tell you that whatever bad things could happen to your flesh are just the beginning of how bad things could really be. The flesh is just the beginning of sorrow. The word that Jesus used in the original Greek here means the pains, like the pains of childbirth. He said all this is just The initial pains to let you know that something is coming on. The next few prophecies turn to spiritual conditions of the end time. False prophets shall arise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The definition of this word "wax." Means to chill by blowing. Anybody remember being a little kid and your, your, your mom would serve something or you'd get some food and it would be too hot. And before they let you eat it, they'd get a spoonful of it, they'd blow on it. You got the picture in your mind? Y'all you awake? To chill by blowing. To gently cool. To gradually grow cold. He said, because iniquity will abound, because sin abounds, the love of many will begin to gently cool, to gradually grow cold. The danger of sin is its waxing effect on the soul. It allows your passion for God to cool slowly, And gently enough that you think that everything's okay when everything's not okay. If any of us think that we can just cruise into heaven making allowance for our flesh, we don't understand the Bible and the teaching of the Word of God. Because sin abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. Can I tell you? You can't stay on fire for God and let sin dwell in your heart at the same time. It's God or it's sin. It's God or it's sin. It's God or it's sin. It's not God and sin. It's God or sin. And when iniquity abounds, the love in the heart starts to wax. It starts to gently cool. It's like the devil's just blowing on your soul. Jesus follows that verse up with the very next verse, Matthew 24 and 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. My brothers and sisters, if you're going to be saved, you're going to have to endure some stuff, overcome some stuff, make your ways through some stuff. Amen. Amen. Are you hearing me this morning? These young men will tell you that I'll tell them very often that one of my my phrases that I know that they get tired of hearing from me is if you're going to make it, you're going to have to be tough. Amen. Heaven's not a place for wimps. I'll try it over here. Heaven's not a place for wimps. If you're going to make it to heaven, you're going to have to be tough enough to get through some trials and tribulations, every little temptation can't throw you off track every little problem can't make you quit worshiping and praying if you're going to make it, you to have to set yourself and be tough he that endures to the end they're going to have to make it over the top of tribulation and trial and problem and you can't let troubles cool your fire false prophets, deception iniquity abounding These are things that affect the soul. They're more important signs. They're the more important signs than earthquakes. More important than famine and pestilence and war. The biggest problem for the soul is that the the, the soul, the passion of the soul will wax cold. You can't let the devil blow on your life and cool your soul. Those things that are spiritual are far more dangerous and devastating than war and famine and pestilence and earthquakes. The most dangerous aspect for the church as we draw near to the end of time is the waxing of our walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. Our greatest peril are not those things which attack the flesh but those things which attack the spirit. Matthew ten twenty eight and fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul don't be afraid of something that can kill your body but can't touch your soul he said but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell you ought to not worry about the next war you ought to worry about missing the next church service you shouldn't worry about the next famine you should worry about missing the next prayer meeting You shouldn't worship about the next devil that comes down your path. You ought to be afraid that something will happen that will disconnect you from worship and preaching and the presence of God. There are some things, there are some things worth fearing. Hallelujah. God, help me to preach what my heart has on it this morning. God, help me to get out from under this burden today. I'm telling you, if I don't preach my way out from under this burden, I'm going to have a miserable Christmas week. When things happen in the world, wars, earthquakes, and other things, we get anxious and worried. We get worried about Russia going to war and Iran getting atomic weapons. And we worry about terrorism and the economy and pandemics and epidemics. But the most dangerous thing you'll ever face in your entire lifetime is not a terrorist or an army the most dangerous thing you'll ever face is the waxing of your soul the enemy Jack gradually trying to get you to calm your praise down yeah. trying to hey we're not running out on the parking lot this morning like we were 8 months ago you got to watch the danger of your soul cooling down if there's ever a time If there's ever a time in your life where you were more on fire than you are right this minute, you ought to raise your hand and say, God, let me get my fire back. Don't let my soul cool down. If there's ever been a moment when you were more in tune with the Holy Ghost, if there's ever been a moment when you were more passionate, if there's ever been a moment where you were more on fire, you ought to look to heaven and say, God, don't let my soul wax cold. Your greatest spiritual danger is losing your passion in your walk with God. the heels of these prophecies Jesus follows it all up with this somewhat obscure passage that we use as our text this morning Matthew 24 and 20 but pray ye that your flight be not in the winter This verse is somewhat ignored by major Christian writers. Matthew Henry, Adam Clark, Albert Barnes, the Geneva Commentary, all ignored this verse completely as if it didn't even exist. Totally bypassed it in their writing. It seems strange to me that one of the most prophetically charged passages of the entire Bible, that Jesus in a very incredibly poignant passage, man that was hard to say, Next time I edit these notes, I want to take some of those out. The incredibly poignant passage in a private conversation. You can tell I was sleepy when I wrote that. In a private conversation with his disciples, he gave them something very specific to pray for. And he was very clear pray that your flight be not in winter. Now let me ask you, the Lord has the timing of his return in his hand. He determines when he comes back. It's in the mind and the hand of God. Not one person can pray and say, God, don't come back today. Because if it's set in his will, it's done. You understand this prayer, that your flight be not in winter, was not designed to change the season The prayer was designed to change the person who was doing the praying. Amen. Amen. When we talk about the end time, he told his church, pray that your flight be not in the winter. It's very specific, but very ignored. Now look, when I was a 13, 14 year old kid going to church camp, I would pray I would pray, as church camp was coming up, I would pray that the Lord would not come back until after the Friday night service of church camp. Because there were far too many girls to kiss on Monday through Thursday. <laughs> Lord, don't come back till after Friday night. If you'll give me Friday night, I'll give you Friday night. The Lord said, pray that your flight be not in the winter. It's specific but ignored. As we travel to Indiana to visit family for the holiday, they are expecting several inches of snow and extreme cold. The local forecast there is calling for snow on Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And it may be more than that. But my app only goes out so far. It's calling for snow and cold up there. Lord, let your rapture happen before that. The local forecast here is predicting single-digit temperatures towards the end of this week. Many people are unaware of the hazard of winter travel. The national oceanography And Atmosphere Administration refers to winter as a deceptive killer. Boise State University said to watch out for, quote, sneaky winter hazards. Most people are unaware of the hazards of winter travel. Harsh conditions of wind and cold and snow or ice can turn a simple outing into a tragedy. I remember growing up in Indiana that my dad kept a couple of blankets and a couple of candles and a snow shovel, or like my dad said, a shovel, in the car during the winter. Here's something to think about this week while expecting such low temperatures. Listen, according to the USDA.gov, a vehicle battery that operates at 100% efficiency at 80 degrees will only be at 64% at 30 degrees and only 33% at 10 degrees. The cold saps the power out of the battery. In extreme cold, your fuel lines can freeze. Your tire pressure gets lower due to the cold. If you use water for your windshield wipers, it freezes in the line and the tank. Snow and ice cover the lines in the streets and roads so it's hard to maintain your direction. Constant threat of black ice. Winter travel is much different than when the sun is shining and warm. Jesus was direct and clear to his disciples. Pray that your flight be not in winter. If winter travel... In our modern times, it's difficult in our climate-controlled modern vehicles. Consider how difficult it must have been 2,000 years ago. The perils of winter weather in ancient times were magnified dramatically because of poor provision, poor roads, poor methods of transportation. In literature, winter is symbolic of death and despair. And loneliness and emptiness and the end of hope. Winter is a season in which things die. It's long and cold and bleak and dreary. The winter days have short sunshine and long nights. And it's linked often to depression and increased anxiety. Thus, references to winter are often used to symbolize death and solitude loneliness, sadness, and a lack of hope. In winter, the grass withers, the leaves fall, things die, it's cold and dreary and dark. Travel in winter was cold and dangerous with peril of exposure. In ancient times, those with with means would have a winter home where they would spend those cold and dreary lifeless days Paul was not a man of great means but being a traveling preacher he set his itinerary with purpose he told Titus in Titus 3 and 12 when I shall send Artemis unto thee or Tychius be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis for I have determined there to winter I have to, everybody say determined. I have determined there to winter. Paul sends this message to some of his associates in ministry. Go to the city of Nicopolis because I have determined there to winter. The winter weather was changing his travel plans. His revivals were going to go on pause until spring. No more travel from city to city preaching. Travel in winter was so difficult that even the great missionary Paul would not risk the perils of winter travel. The city of Nicopolis was on the Adriatic Sea. It was built by the Roman Emperor Augustus to celebrate his victory In the battle of Actium, the word Nicopolis translates as the city of victory. Paul said, if I have to endure the winter, I'm going to spend the winter in victory city. Amen. The Greek word used here for winter does not only mean the cold season, but it refers to storms and tempests. In life, there are going to be storms and cold seasons, but you don't have to spend them in defeat. You can spend your stormy and cold seasons in victory if you want to. Hallelujah. Your mindset, your mindset determines where you will winter. Praise God. I'm going to say it again. Your mindset determines where you will winter. You can winter in depression, inactivity, carnality, and worldliness. Or you can winter in the city of victory. It's all up to you where you decide to spend your winter. Praise God. I may be going through a winter season But if I'm going to go through winter, I'm going to be faithful during my winter. I'm still going to worship in my winter. I'm still going to pray in my winter. I'm still going to live holy in my winter. If I'm going to have winter somewhere, I'm going to have it in victory. Oh, praise God. I wish I could promise you that you'll never have winter. I can't promise you that. I can't promise you you'll never have storms and trials and tests and tribulations, but I can promise you that you can spend them in victory if you make up your mind. I have determined to winter in Victory City. Devil, you're not throwing me off track by sending trouble my way. You're not throwing me off track by sitting in discouragement, one my way. I'm not gonna let you gently blow on my soul and make me wax cold. If I'm gonna have winter, I'm gonna have it in victory. You know when you ought to clap your hands the hardest, it's not when you get a good doctor's report, it's not when you get an extra check in the mail, it's not when everything's going good. You ought to worship most when you're at your lowest, because you gotta determine how you're going to spend your winter. You determine. You determine. You decide where you will winter. If I have to winter somewhere, I'm going to Victory City to do it. I can't promise that you won't have trials, but I can promise you that you can be victorious. For Paul said, I have determined 99% of the problem is that people don't make up their mind how they're going to handle their cold season. Praise God. If you let your trials get you planted on a pew and steal your worship, the devil will send you a trial every day of your life. If you let your problems keep you from responding, he'll send a problem every day. you got to determine how you're going to spend your winter. I challenge somebody that's going through a trial. I challenge somebody that's going through a winter right now. I challenge somebody that's going through a storm right now to make up your mind. I'm going to worship my way through this storm. I'm going to worship my way through this. If I don't feel anything, I'm still raising my hands. I'm determined to winter in Victory City. I made up my mind. I set myself. You need a made up mind more in the winter than you do any other time. Matthew 24 and 20, but pray ye that your flight be not in the winter. The definition of the word flight means to escape. Or to vanish. Jesus said, Pray that your vanishing time doesn't come in the winter. Whew. Pray that your flight, pray that your vanishing be not in winter. He told his disciples, When your flight time comes, When your vanishing time comes, pray that you're not in winter. Pray that your soul isn't cold when your vanishing time comes. When the angel lifts that trumpet to its lips and sounds that eternal blast, make sure that your soul is not cold and dead and dry. Pray that when the rapture time comes, That you're on fire and ready for the rapture of the church. What I'm preaching is you ought to stir yourself up. I was was reading several websites on the dangers of winter travel. And uh, almost all of them. It said that prepare yourself. If you get stuck in the, in, in the snow, it had ways to prepare for travel in winter. But one thing it said is you got to make sure that if you get stuck in the snow, that you keep moving so that you can circulate and stay warm. And so it suggested that every, every few minutes, every little bit, you start moving your arms and your feet. You start moving because you got to keep your blood pumping. Because it know, they, they know that in cold conditions, that the more latent you are, the more likely you are to freeze to death. And so they know, they know that even the slightest bit of movement can keep the blood flowing long enough to get you through your winter stuck season. That can get you through that, that just a little bit of moving your hands and your feet, that just a little bit of circulating can keep you from dying of the cold in that condition, and Jesus said, "You pray that when the time for you to vanish, that it's not winter time." Can I tell some folks today that you ought to make sure that no matter how stuck you feel, that you never stop moving in your worship with God. That no matter how much you feel I'm not getting anywhere, I'm stuck in this cold place. I'm never get. I'm not getting any progress, but I refuse. Oh God. I refuse to let it keep me from moving. If I don't feel anything, I still got to. Even if I feel like I've been stuck in the same place for a long time, I got to keep moving until my rescue comes. Somebody ought to. If you've not worshiped in a long time, you ought to just pick up your feet a little bit. Even if you're doing it in your seat, just do something. Just respond to the word of God. Pray, God, I don't want to be cold when you come back. Man, it says it right here in the notes. Only you can stir you up. Only you can stir you up, man. If I could do it, I would. I'd walk right up to some people in this place right now, and I'd shake, I'd stir you up, I'd do something. Just, just even if it made you mad at me, but it got you moving, it'd be worth it. But only you can stir you up. You have to determine where you're going to winter. Only you can get yourself going. Only you can get yourself right. Only you can keep your get your soul on fire. I'm going to try to keep my soul on fire. I'm going to stoke the fires with my worship, with my prayer, with my word. I'm going to keep I'm going to let holiness be a shield against the cold winds of carnality. Amen. Holiness is given to you to protect the fire in your soul. It's not meant to be a restriction. Holiness is not a handcuff for you. Holiness is a shield against the cold winds of this generation. Holiness is not a chain to bind you down, but holiness is a shelter around you. To keep the snow off of your soul, to keep the cold winds out of your you don't know what you don't look, you ought to say amen right now. It's to protect you when the winter comes. Oh Jesus. My dad, my dad grew up in Puerto Rico where it's between 75 and about 95. 365 days of the year. It's sunshine and palm trees and and ocean breezes every day. He found himself in Indiana in the winter. He feared it and he didn't like it. As winter approached, he'd prepare. I wasn't raised in the South. I was raised... In Indiana, where we would get winter weather dipping down out of Canada across the Great Lakes, they called it lake effect snow. That cold air would would brush over, would, would blow over the Great Lakes, and it would pick up that moisture, and it would dump it on us in the form of snow. I was telling somebody this morning about the blizzard of 1978. Just for those young people, the world was actually in color in those days. It wasn't black and white. I was seven years old and the snow started. And we looked out of our picture window. And we couldn't see. We lived in a subdivision that had 5,000 people or so that lived in it. it houses right next to each other. N- narrow streets. Small yards. And the snow was blowing. You all know what I'm talking about. That The snow was blowing. We couldn't see the house across the street from us. And We, we looked out. We'd look out that, that picture window, and as we'd breathe on that glass, it would fog up. And then snow would begin to form at the bottom of that window. And, by, and, and, and after a while, you would have, not, not snow, did I say snow? I meant ice. Ice would form, and you'd have ice, and you could get your, you'd get something, you could, you could pop the ice off that glass, and you'd have this little sheet of ice, and you could put it on your brother. We went to bed that night, and when we got up the next day, we couldn't see out our picture window. The wind had blown the snow all the way up to the eaves of the house. We opened the front door and the screen door. It was nothing but snow. My dad went out the back door with a shovel and came around and dug a, like a tunnel, a trench the front door. It was the coolest thing ever to go out of your house and walk through a snow canyon. And especially if your brother and sister were behind you and you went like that. It was a gift from God. It blesses my soul every time I think about it. We were, we, this, everything was shut down, the roads for days. My uncle had a snowmobile, and he would take his snowmobile to the grocery, pick up stuff, and drop it off for family members. It's the only way we could get stuff. My dad could sense winter coming, and so he'd start to prepare. He bought studded tires, and when The winter would come around. He would take out the regular tires. A studded tire is a tire with little metal studs in it so we could get better traction on the ice. He kept a shovel in the trunk, blankets, candles. He kept an empty coffee can when they were metal, not not the plastic ones because you could put a candle in it, light the candle, and that can would would warm up and it would keep, keep the car warm if you got stuck. An ice scraper, all that stuff couple extra blankets and some snacks in the car because you never you, 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 it's hard to prepare for winter travel in the Bible Israel was given specific instructions on their last night in Egypt Exodus 12 and 11 and thus shall ye eat it talking about the lamb with your loins girded your shoes on your feet And your staff in your hand. It's not enough just to eat. You got to be ready. When you eat. Because when the Lord says it's time to go. You've got to be ready. With your loins girded. You got to be dressed right. Because if you're not dressed right and it's time to go. You might miss it you got to have shoes on your feet. The preparation of the gospel of peace. you got to have your shoes on your feet because when it's time, when the sound comes and it's time to leave, you don't have time to go get dressed right and get shoes. Get your, have your staff in your hand. Be ready to go at a moment's notice. Eat it in haste because when it's time to vanish from Egypt, you don't have time to get yourself ready then. You don't have time to get yourself right then. So you start out right so that when it's time to vanish, everything's going to be ready and you can make it out to your promise. But you're only going to make it if you're ready to travel when the sound comes, when it's time to take flight. My brothers and sisters, our friends and guests, may I tell you this morning that you have to be ready to go in a moment's notice. When that trumpet sounds, you're not gonna have time to go get yourself right. You're not gonna have time to go change into something holy. You're not gonna have time to get yourself prepared. You gotta be ready at a moment's notice. You gotta be ready because winter travel is day. God, help me to be ready. Oh, God, are you ready? Are you ready to go in a moment? in a twinkling of an eye, if that trumpet sounds right now and the dead in Christ rise, will you be among those that go to meet in the air? Are you, Or are you in winter? Are you cold and lethargic? The problem with hypothermia, you lose your dexterity. You lose your ability to move. You can't do the things that you think. Oh, I'll do that when I... When it when it's when it gets closer I'll do that. When it's when it's time I'll be but when you, the colder you get the more dexterity you lose and the inability to function. And Jesus said, pray when it's time to vanish that you're not in winter. It's the danger of winter travel. Jesus said that at the moment that he returns there'll be two on the housetop one taken and one left. One was ready and one wasn't. There'll be two in the bed One taken and one left. Two grinding in the mill. One taken and one left. Jesus said, watch and pray. Most of us have heard our whole life about wars and rumors of wars. We've heard our whole life Nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. But I dare say that the vast majority of us have rarely or never heard pray that your flight be not in winter. He didn't say pray that they don't have war and rumors of war. He didn't say pray that pestilence doesn't come. He didn't say pray that famine doesn't come. But what he said was pray. You can't control all that. But what you can control is the temperature of your own soul. And Jesus said pray. He didn't say it. He didn't say it to the drunkard. He didn't say it to the prostitute or the whoremonger. He didn't say it to the Roman, to the Greek. He said it in a private meeting with no one but him and his very disciples. If it's so important that he had to tell the 12 handpicked disciples, pray. Simon Peter, pray. when it's time for you to vanish that you're not denying me by a fire cutting off a soldier's ear and cursing because you're afraid they'll know that you know me John when it's time for you to go pray that you don't let your soul be cold and distant Matthew Bartholomew, Thaddeus, pray. I know I handpicked you guys. I know that I put my anointing on you and I know that I I let you spend time in my presence. But you're going to have to pray against the waxing of your soul. You're going to have to pray that you don't let your spirit cool, that when it's time for you to vanish, that your soul is in winter. Your eyes are closed all over this place. I'm telling you what Jesus said. Pray. God, don't let my heart be cold. God, don't let my walk with you be cold. God, don't let my passion for worship be cold. Don't let my passion for prayer be cold. Don't let my love for holiness be cold. Oh, God, don't come back when I'm in my winter season. Oh, God, help me to stoke the fires of my soul. God, help me to stir myself up, to move myself enough that I'm not frozen when you come back. Oh, Jesus, come on, we ought to be praying right now. There ought to be some heart searching going on right now. If you're finding yourself in a cold place, you ought to move yourself to an altar right now. You shouldn't care who goes and who's not going. You shouldn't care if your spouse stays or not. You ought to be making your way to an altar. If you're in a cold place, you ought to be digging your way. If you had to crawl yourself to an altar, that's what you ought to do. Whatever it takes, God, I can't let my flight be in winter. I got to keep my soul. I got to get my soul. Jesus, Moses told him, you got to be ready. You got to have your staff in your hands. You got to have your loins girded. You got to have your shoes on. Because when it's time to go, there's no time to get ready. There's no more warning that God has to give any one of us. He doesn't owe us one more sign. He doesn't owe us not one more indication that the end is upon us. None of those signs, none of those signs will stir somebody that's cold. God, don't let my flight be in winter. Is there anybody here, you know, your soul's in winter? We're not asking you for a confession. What I'm asking you is for honesty. That if you know your soul is in a winter place, you ought to get up from where you are and find your way to an altar right now. I wouldn't let pride keep me where I am. I wouldn't let a false sense of security keep me where I am. I wouldn't let a lie from the enemy keep me where I am. I'd do whatever I had to do, God. Come on, this altar ought to be full. The very fact that you don't feel the need to come is proof that you ought to be here. The very fact that preaching about the coming of the Lord can leave you unmoved is the very fact that winter has taken a grip on your eternal soul. Somebody ought to build a fire in their walk with God.
1: You ought to build a fire in your walk with God right
0: now. There's a danger in winter travel. Oh God, I pray for a work of the Holy Ghost. God, I pray for the elo- pointing of your spirit to move in this place. Oh God, for divine option of Can you help me pray? God, don't let my flight be in winter. God, don't let my soul cool. Help me not to let the devil gently blow my soul and cool my passion. Help me to stir myself. Come on, y'all, to lift your voice. Oh, God. Desperate prayers aren't afraid to be heard. Desperate people don't care what happens. I got to be saved. Above all else, I must be saved. God, don't let my flight be in winter. God, don't let my soul be cool. Help me to build a fire in my prayer life. Help me to build a fire in my worship. Help me to build a fire in my soul. Come on, let's pray. This is a desperate moment of prayer. Oh God, don't let our flight be in winter. God, don't let my soul be cold. Don't let my passion be cold. Don't let my worship be cold, God, when you come, don't let my heart be cold. I've made up my mind, I'm determined I'm gonna win. Vi- I'm gonna win her in victory.
1: I'd rather be No place I'd rather be Than here in your love Here in your love No place I'd rather be no Amen,
0: reach over, pray This is desperate time
1: This is serious
0: time This is the most important moment of your, your life love,
1: right now God, don't let my life be I'd rather be No place I'd rather be Than here in your love Here in your love No place I'd rather be No place I'd rather be No place I'd rather be Than here in your love Here in your love pray one for another This is a critical moment Your divine appointment. I want more of you, God. I We're not guaranteed another service. We're not guaranteed another opportunity. Down in my soul so pray that, attain, that Let your flight to be not flight
2: Jesus, reach out to the Lord right now with all your heart, lift your voice as you lift your hands lift your heart and say oh God let the fire of your spirit burn in my soul continually in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus hallelujah John the Baptist made a prophetic statement when he looked upon the Lamb of God. He said, I baptize you with water. But this one that's coming after me, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And everybody say, and with fire. The purpose of that fire as Pastor preached this morning was to keep us hot not, not cold, not lukewarm, but hot. The effectual, fervent prayers of the righteous avail much. How many's ever had a campfire or a wood stove and you tried to keep warm by it? And if you don't watch it continually, it can go out. Once it goes out, it's hard to get started back up. But if you can catch it when it starts getting low and start throwing a little kindling in there, next thing you know, those hot coals caught that kindling on fire. And then you can put a larger log in and it catches on fire. And the next thing you know, you've got a hot fire burning. Don't let your fire go out. But let that fire of the Holy Ghost burn in our hearts continually. Let's stand together as we dismissed from this service, but not from the presence of the Lord. I thank God for the good word of the Lord today. Can you say amen? Lord, don't let our fire go out. In the name of Jesus, don't let us get lukewarm that you spew us out of your mouth, but help us to stay on white hot fire for you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Lift your hands together and let's pray that prayer. Lord, keep us on the fire of the Holy Ghost. Lord, in the name of Jesus, don't let the fire of our altar go out, Lord, but let it burn continually, burn out carnality, burn out ungodliness, burn out doubt, burn out unbelief. Help us, Lord God, to look up and know that our redemption is drawing nigh. We thank you Jesus, give you praise and glory in Jesus name. Don't forget to come back tonight, six o'clock, let's fill that prayer room up and 6: 30 we're going to come in here, entering into his gates with Thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Let's clap our hands under the Lord and glorify him today. In Jesus name. greet one another in the name of the Lord. You're dismissed in the name of Jesus.